1: That just shows what we can do right there. That's just a f***ing glimpse. That, we ain't even scratching the f-ing surface yet. Do not be satisfied with 1-0. We got a big, hey, another division game coming up. Let's bring it this week in practice. Iron sharp as iron. Let's go win again, baby. Hey, win on three. One, two, three, win.
2: The Jaguars travel north to Nashville this Sunday to take on their arch-rivals, the Tennessee Titans, at Nissan Stadium. Coming off a victory in their home opener, the Jaguars look to shock the world yet again in week two. Nine-point underdogs, the Big Cats haven't won in Nashville since 2013. But Gardner Minshew and these Jaguars are just scratching the surface. Welcome inside the Jim Jag podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined by Jeremy Markowski. We just got word that C.J. Henderson was named the defensive rookie of the week for the NFL after a one-interception Three pass breakup, five tackle performance, and a week one victory. Jeremy, it's Friday before Jaguars at Titans. How are we doing? It's Friday.
1: We've got an NFL uh, Defensive Rookie of the Week in CJ Henderson. The Jags are starting to get some media attention. Everyone's already starting to uh, plan uh, their back steps once they realize this team can actually win a few games here. So everything's going pretty good.
2: I am glad. To hear it on your end that everything's going good. I'm doing great. I'm fired up for the football weekend. We had Browns and Bengals last night. A lot of points put up. Saw some potential from Joe Burrow. Saw A.J. Greens maybe decline. You saw Baker Mayfield kind of take the take the game by storm there. He kind of uh, cemented himself back. Maybe not cemented, but at least had a strong performance to get him back into um, – Back into relevance after he kind of had fallen off for the last year or so. But a big shout-out to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and at their Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. Today, as you all know, we are breaking down Jaguars versus Titans. To me, on the surface, the Jaguars looked like a better team than the Titans did last week as the Titans did get a victory over the Broncos and Denver but it was a low-scoring affair. I didn't think the Titans looked great, but there's a lot more than just what week one showed us going into this matchup. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markowski, myself at Jordan Delugo, and Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. So we'll just start off with some general talk about this matchup. The Titans have beaten the Jaguars in 30 of the 51 all-time meetings between these two clubs. And the Jaguars have not won in Nashville, as I mentioned before, since 2013. Six straight road losses to the Titans for the Jaguars. But Gardner Minshew, in his lone start against Tennessee, is 1-0. Completed a little over 60% of his passes in that one through two touchdowns, no interceptions, a couple hundred yards. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this matchup?
1: This is definitely going to be a tough one because I don't think you saw, uh, you know, the best Tennessee team last week against Denver. Uh, you know, we kind of expected that. And the teams to kind of start slow, and not really get into a great offensive rhythm early. So I think you've still got to, you know, be aware of what this team can really do on offense. Remember, you know, Derrick Henry is still – you know, a top five running back in this league, uh, without a doubt. And if you watch that Denver game a little bit, he seemed to be out of breath early. So maybe a little bit of that high altitude, get him some problems. So, uh, you know, getting back to Nashville is probably going to do um, some good for them getting back home. So, um, it's definitely going to be gonna a tough matchup. It's one you need the win, uh, going up in the division two Oh would be an absolute great start for the Jaguars, uh, two weeks in, uh, and you're going to have to get pressure uh, on Ryan Tannehill, man. You're going to have to improve on that pass rush uh, from a week ago and really force that pocket to collapse at times, because if you give him time all day, he can pick apart your defense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, When we're talking about this matchup, we'll get into some matchups to watch here soon, but a couple things to note before we get into it, too hot and heavy. Um, A.J. Brown, he's been ruled out, Titans' number one receiver. Obviously, that's a huge huge loss for the Titans and an excellent development for the Jaguars. Adoree Jackson, one of the Titans' starting corners, has been ruled out. He's on IR already. Malcolm Butler is now dealing with a quad injury. He's the Titans' other starting cornerback. So you're seeing quite a bit of attrition here heading into week two for the Titans. And like you said, the Titans were in Denver, Monday night football, 10.30 start. They're coming off of an extremely short week going into a 1 p.m. start in Nashville against the Jaguars, but the Jaguars just historically, the Titans have just, when it matters most, they've gotten it done against the Jaguars, and in recent terms as well, the Jaguars have struggled against the Titans. So this is by no means a gimme for the Jaguars, who were a team going into week one. Nobody gave them a chance to beat the Colts. Now, for the most part, nobody's given them a chance to beat the Titans either. Uh, This is far from a gimme for the Jaguar fans that are out there looking at this game that are like, oh, well, A.J. Brown's out. Malcolm Butler might be out. Adoree Jackson's out. Uh, It's not that easy. The Titans are not. What they showed on Monday Night Football, like you mentioned, that is not the extent of what the Titans can be this year. So it's going to be interesting for sure.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be something that we have to monitor throughout the week. But you can't not look at it and say the Jags are not in a good position. I mean, when you look at that injury report, there's a lot of key players. And I know it's not just going to, you know, obviously force, you know, the Jaguars into victory. It's not anything, you know, that that still is just going to make it a, a no-brainer. But when you see guys like A.J. Brown out, when you see guys like Malcolm Butler— potentially out as well. You know, you're already missing, like I said, Adoree Jackson. It just leaves little holes here and there for the Jaguars to go and explore. I mean, C.J. Henderson is going to be coming off a great game. He's going to be, you know, extremely focused. I think he'll be extremely uh, confident in his abilities. And then, you know, when you got him pairing up with against a guy like Corey Davis, who besides week one of this year, hasn't really shown us much in the NFL, I think C.J. Henderson will definitely step up to that challenge. Um, And on the other backside, you know, obviously missing A.J. Brown, Uh, is going to force Ryan Tannehill to get it into some other hands so hopefully the Jaguar secondary can lock some of those uh, unfamiliar receivers down
2: yeah no doubt about it and um, let's just go ahead and get into it matchups to watch who have you got here Jeremy I think
1: it's going to have to be uh, the, the defensive line versus the Titans' offensive line. That's going to be your key matchup. You know, Are you going to allow uh, the Titans' offensive line to move you off the ball and create space for Derrick Henry? I think the number one thing in this game is selling out to stop the run. You can let anybody else on that field beat you, but you cannot let Derrick Henry beat you. You know that's what they're going to want to do. They're going to want to give the ball to him early and often and have him run up and down the field. So if you take that away... Make Ryan Tannehill beat you with his arm and make us respect him enough to not stack the box. The box needs to be stacked on first, second, and third down for the first driver to sell out to stop the run. That's going to be the key to victory in this one.
2: So you're thinking even when we're looking at third and medium to third and long, you're still stacking the box?
1: Until Ryan Tannehill can prove me otherwise, when he's missing his number one receiver. Yes, I think you're still playing, you know, obviously if we're getting into third and long here, you know, let's be smart, but anything that's manageable, you know, there needs to be someone watching Derrick Henry at all times. He can always slip out underneath a screen and he's their best playmaker on the field. So they're going to want to get him the ball until Ryan Tannehill can prove that he can move the ball with other players around him. Then you might as well stack the box and take Derrick Henry out of the game completely.
2: Yeah, and on one of those Colts scoring drives in week one where the Jaguars struggled, it was two screen passes that really got it going and kind of beat the Jaguars and led to seven points. So I get what you're saying there for sure. And uh, Dewey Wingard, Andrew Wingard, Thor, uh, Kid Rock, whatever you want to call him, he is in the starting lineup this week. And he is replacing Jared Wilson, who is on IR for three weeks at least. Um not a ton of experience here for Wingard, but Wingard has played against the Titans before in terms of being in the starting lineup. Uh he played over 40 snaps against the Titans in week twelve of last year, which was obviously a terrible performance for the Jaguars, especially in the second half. But Wingard came out last week, you know, in replacement of Jared Wilson. Put up the highest PFF grade of any safety in the NFL last week, uh, above 95. Of course, it was only on 13 snaps. This is an entirely different challenge for Andrew Wingard. But he is a guy that, when you look at him physically, he seems like he has the athletic ability to play safety, free safety, Uh Cognitively, he seems like he has the smarts to understand it. And Todd Walsh talked about how good he is at his communication back there, which is key at the safety spot. So that'll be really interesting to watch how if Ryan Tannehill's is trying to attack Andrew Wingard uh, because he knows that this guy doesn't have a lot of experience. It's a strategy that last week Philip Rivers tried to employ in terms of attacking a guy without a lot of experience in C.J. Henderson. And it didn't work too well for Philip Rivers after a little while. We'll see if Andrew Winger is ready to step up and, uh, you know, be a starting free safety in the NFL.
1: Like you said, only 13 snaps last week. You know, he's really got to step up and show that he can do it consistently and for an entire game. But like you said, they are confident in him uh, inside that building. And he seems to be confident in himself and his abilities. So I'm confident in him back there. You know, everything they've told us up to this point has rang true. You know, so I have to kind of start taking uh, you know, some of what they're saying into consideration. And like I said, they're confident in him, I'm confident in him. They went at him last week and he came up with a pick. So, you know, hopefully these young guys are building up this confidence and they're not gonna, you know, shy away from a little bit of competition from these quarterbacks early on this year.
2: Yeah, and his energy, it's just a reflection of the entire team's energy right now, which is one of those like things You don't want to get too caught up in it because as soon as things start not going the right way, you want to see how they respond, and that hasn't happened yet. But this team certainly does have a different energy. Everybody's all about football. They're not about themselves. We've talked about it before, but um, it's been a talking point this week from Doug Marone talking about how refreshing it's been with this football team, with these players. Andrew Wingard's talked about it. Josh Allen's talked about it. Gardner Minshew's talked about it. I mean, to this point, like you said, everything they've said has rung true, has shown true. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can handle getting smacked in the mouth a little bit by this physical Titans offense.
1: Absolutely, but, you know, like I said, the most important thing is going to see, you know, how they respond when they get knocked down. But we don't have to worry about that till we actually get there. So if the team starts on a high note like they did last week and they keep on rolling, you know, we're not going to have to worry about those dips, you know, until there actually is one. If you get what I'm saying, you know, let the team, you know, keep riding high off the energy from last week, you know, and we'll figure out how to get over that hill when we get there. But for now, they got to keep up the intensity, keep up the competitiveness and keep up, you know, the emotion that were that, that that they were playing with, the confidence, you know, exude that and put that into the game and just keep it rolling, man. This team looks like they're great, you know, playing together. It seems very cohesive. Something they need to carry on.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now getting back into some matchups to watch, I want to look at some individual stuff here. Uh Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson. The Titans have Jadavion Clowney. And Jadavion Clowney very familiar with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He didn't spend 2019 playing against them in the division. But prior to that in his career, he wreaked a lot of havoc in the Jaguars' backfield, uh, whether it be from a pass rush standpoint, blowing up run plays and screens and things of that nature as my dog just tumbles off of the couch. She just took a hard one. <laughs> but she's... Shit. She's uh, picking herself back up. She's looking all right. She's whining a little bit, but she's all right. So, Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson trying to take on Jadavion Clowney. I think it's a tough matchup, but when you look at what Jadavion Clowney did last week, he was on the right side a lot, left side of the defense, right side of the offense. So you're looking at Jawan Taylor, and I think Taylor presents a different type of beast than Jadavion Clowney has seen. When facing the Jaguars in the past,
1: absolutely, he's definitely one of the better tackles that Clowney has seen. You know when he's played against the Jaguars, that's there's no doubt about that. But Clowney's going to be an X factor in this game. Without their other outside linebacker, uh, you know their blitzing guy Vic Beasley, who is also questionable. You know it could really put them in a tough position from the pass rushing perspective. Um, and like you said. Uh, Jadavion Clowney lined up on the left side of defense, right side of offense a lot last week. So he's going to match up right up with Jawan Taylor. And I like that matchup because I personally think that Jawan Taylor is a better pass blocker than Cam Robinson. And it's a little bit of a different style. Cam Robinson is more of a power guy. Jawan Taylor is pretty powerful, but he's shown a lot of good footwork and a lot of good movement at times in pass pro. So if they're going to hang Jadavion over Jawan Taylor all day long, I kind of like that matchup better.
2: Yeah, I I think obviously when you're talking about pass rush, definitely Jawan Taylor versus Clowney sounds better. But from a run blocking perspective, I think both of them can get it get the job done on a regular basis. Clowney's going to make some splash plays. He's just too much of a freak to not impact the game at all. But you got to limit that impact. You can't let him get in there and create a turnover or something of that nature, or like you know a 10, 15-yard loss, things like that. So the those tackles, they do have their hands full. If Vic Beasley doesn't play, which he hasn't played yet, he showed up late to camp, I'd be surprised if he plays at this point or if he's as effective as they would like him to be at this point. So it is going to be a lot of responsibility on Jadeveon Clowney. And I, I think these guys are up to the task in terms of limiting him. I do still think he will get his, though, And then another guy for the Titans defense who uh, got ejected last week, early on the linebacker, Rashawn Evans. I want to see James Robinson handle another elite linebacker last week, James Robinson, early on, he was excellent carrying the ball despite having guys like Darius Leonard from the Colts out there and guys like DeForest Buckner in the middle, the Titans, They have some impressive guys of their own and Rashawn Evans and uh, Jeffrey Simmons in the middle. So can James Robinson handle again for the second week in a row going up against a front seven that has a lot of talent?
1: They do have a lot of talent, but when I look on, paper at this front seven uh, I think I like what I see more from the Colts front seven just from a paper perspective you're looking at you know who's up there you know their history in the league all that kind of good stuff but you can't discredit the Titans like I said they've got some speed in that linebacking core I think they lack a little bit along the defensive line Um, but you have the scheme away from these guys, you know, Clowney is definitely going to get his chance to make some plays and he has always been effective in the run game on the outside, uh, you know, forcing runs back inside and making tackles on the edge. But, you're going to have to start scheming away from these guys a little bit. Run some misdirection, uh, you know, run towards the weak side of the ball. Um, and same thing with the linebackers. Get them out of position with drag routes, slants, stuff like that. Maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, the RPO action in this game to get some guys out of position uh, to give James Robinson a good chance at, you know, kind of making some moves, you know, at the line and then getting some open space in the second level.
2: Yeah. And the Jaguars, once the Colts last week adjusted and started loading up the box, which I'm sure the Titans will do if James Robinson gets it going early, Jay Gruden was able to take advantage of that in a big way. And that kind of leads me to Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew versus Kevin Bayard. The Titans' safety, he led to their only uh, turnover that they forced last week. He got a strip uh, on a wide receiver out in the flat. Gardner Minshew versus Kevin Byard is a hell of a matchup because Byard has been a Jaguar killer, especially when Blake Bortles was back there throwing the ball. Obviously, Minshew and Bortles, completely different players. But Kevin Byard is a guy you have to know where he is at all times back there.
1: Absolutely. And the key uh, for Minshew against the secondary is going to be disguising coverages pre-snap. So certainly the Jags have done really well. I know it's a really small sample size, but I saw it earlier today. Uh, the Jags have improved their uh, pre-snap movement from like 19 percent of snaps to like 41 percent or something like that. Uh, I saw it, you know, earlier today, and I mean, whatever number is, that's a huge thing for the quarterback to move guys around and kind of diagnose the coverage before the snap. So you kind of have an idea of where you're going to be looking early on. I think that's going to be key for Gardner. If he can see something he likes and look off by or the other way, uh, you know, and kind of turn and go back. If he knows where the coverage is going to be before the ball is even snapped, you know, then he's going to have a better chance of looking that safety off and giving himself better windows to throw the ball.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And flipping sides of the ball here, we obviously know, What the Titans want to do with Derrick Henry. So it's the entire Jaguars' defense, every single player. You don't have to necessarily bring Henry down by yourself, but you have to slow him down so other guys can corral to the ball. Absolutely. Hands on
1: him early. That's going to be key, especially in the backfield. You cannot have missed tackles like we saw last week from these linebackers. If you get hands on him in the backfield, you have to wrap him up, bring him down, or slow him down until somebody else can get there and help you complete the tackle.
2: Yeah, for sure. And if the Jaguars are able to do that early on, then you're going to see a matchup I'm really anxious about. Josh Allen on the edge. He lined up a lot on the offensive right side, defensive left side. So you're going to see a lot of Josh Allen versus Dennis Kelly. And Josh Allen's excited about that matchup. I'm excited about that matchup. He pretty much took it upon himself to bear the, uh, the blame. For the lack of pass rush last week where the jaguars only had eight pressures one sack and 47 dropbacks for philip rivers allen is confident heading into this week i think dennis kelly is in for a bit of trouble if the jaguars can get the titans in some clear passing situations
1: this area of the game really makes me nervous because i truly believe this week Everything is going to come down to the defensive line for the Jaguars. Win or lose is going to come down to the defensive line. And that makes me a little nervous. Obviously, it was one of the biggest concerns last year, but we saw a great improvement in week one against a much better Colts offensive line. I personally think they have the far superior offensive line than the Titans. So if the defensive line can kind of replicate their performance from last week, that's going to do wonders for stopping Derrick Henry uh, in the run game. And then it's all going to come down to pass rush after that. If you can disrupt the run game and force the Titans into passing situations, you need to be able to get to Ryan Tannehill in third and long situations. You can't give him five seconds to sit back in the pocket and let receivers get downfield and pick apart the defense. If you're going to get him in those situations, you have to get to the quarterback early and often.
2: Yeah, you absolutely do, and they didn't get it done last week. Uh, the defense was very bend but not break. I think if you let the Titans' offense stay on the field that long, it's going to lead to less than desirable results. Now, one more pass game aspect of it, because we know all about the run game. Darrington Evans is out. It's Derrick Henry versus the Jaguars' defense in the run game. But in the pass game, A.J. Brown, we talked about, he's not going to be playing. So Corey Davis is going to be their number one outside receiver. Can C.J. Henderson lock him up as he did against T.Y. Hilton? Davis is a much different type of receiver than Hilton, a little bit more physical, more of a uh, prototypical specimen type guy than Hilton, who is more of just a speedster, route runner, very quick in and out of his breaks, knows the nuances. Can CJ Henderson attack a different type of receiver this week and be just as effective? Cause we saw Corey Davis last week against the Broncos rack up over a hundred yards receiving.
1: Corey Davis had a spectacular game last week. Uh, and he was what I was mentioning earlier. Besides that, though, we haven't really seen much uh, from this guy in the league. You know, he hasn't been too spectacular to kind of uh, lived down to his draft position. You know, he was a fairly high draft pick and, and kind of hasn't really lived up to that expectation so far. And C.J. Henderson has played a historically much better receiver in T.Y. Hilton, you know, and, and shut him down last week. So confidence has to be high. Uh, and, yes, if you can hold Corey Davis – you know, two four or five catches, you know, and limit his impact in the passing game, you're going to have to make one of these other guys beat you. And I think, you know, that would set your defense up for some huge success. Take what they give you also. You know, if they're going to run underneath all day long, just make sure you make secure tackles and, you know, keep them behind the sticks if possible and uh, just force some mistakes because eventually Ryan Tannehill is going to make a mistake. And when he does, you need to capitalize.
2: For sure. And, Are there any other matchups you want to look at real quick before we get into the schematics of what the Titans like to do offensively and defensively?
1: Besides just, you know, how Taylor One responds to having, you know, multiple different guys probably attacking him in the past uh, rush game for the Jaguars, that's going to be a key matchup as well. You know, can he hold that uh, blind side of Ryan Tannehill clean all day long? And uh, if not, hopefully, you know, Josh Allen can kind of, you know, get some strip sacks returned to a... You know, maybe some of the production that we lost from Yon because, you know, he was great at that. That's something I would like to see uh, the Jaguars improve on also is getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands when you get the chance to.
2: Yeah, that'd be fantastic to see. And like you said, Unique Ngakwe, he's the guy that was doing that. Now you got to get somebody else to step up and do it. Hopefully it can be Josh Allen. Uh, before we get into schematics, I'd like to remind everybody to check out jenjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, videos from UCF Jaguar. And, of course, check out the shop. We just dropped the Duval State of Mind snapback. Again, that is jenjag.com. Okay, so schematically, offensively, the Titans do not do a whole lot, honestly. They're going to pound the rock. Lots of power O, as Maurice Jones-Drew used to call it, God's play. Lots of running in between the tackles as well, though. Lots of running. Lots of Derrick Henry. They want to pound you into submission and then take shots down the field off play action, and Brian Tannehill is excellent in that play action game as long as Derrick Henry is proving effective
1: absolutely they run a lot of 11 12 personnel they want to run the ball between the tackles downhill power running style and that's what everything else in their offense is predicated on if they're consistently running the ball with derrick henry your your linebackers your safeties they're going to be playing on their toes and that's going to open up like you said the play action game and that's what the the offense thrived on for the titans last year running the ball consistently pulling teams up in play action throwing the ball over their head uh, in between the zone all day long so that's something you've got to be prepared for once you start stuffing the run consistently and get them into more and more passing situations you know you're going to have to make sure that you're playing true to whatever the defense is called because you don't want to get out of position on a play action
2: yeah yeah it's going to be very crucial for this jaguars defense to just be assignment sound in those types of situations And then you look at the other side of the ball on the Titans defense, you're going to see a ton of different looks, especially from the front seven. They do like to run a lot of man coverage in the secondary. We'll see if they alter that at all with um, Adoree Jackson and potentially Malcolm Butler being out. But sometimes they'll blitz everyone. Sometimes they'll show blitz and drop out and only have two guys rushing the passer. Sometimes their D linemen are going to drop into coverage, They want to confuse offenses, and it's going to be crucial for Gardner Minshew, and as you mentioned with the Jaguars running some pre-snap motion, to figure out how they're trying to attack him and be able to just respond on the fly.
1: I love what Mike Vrabel does with this defense. Uh, you know, they they do a lot of, of fun, funky things. You know, like you said, with with linemen dropping into coverage, linebackers and cornerbacks. You know, the way they blitz, the way they disguise coverages, it can really throw a quarterback through the loop. And I think he's going to have to be a little more aggressive this week. You know, with the Jaguars' offensive line. Obviously, you know they had some uh, stack issues last week, and that's something that. The Titans' defense is going to be looking to uh, get themselves into situationally. They want to be able to get to the quarterback, and they're going to do it aggressively. I don't think they can let Gardner Minshew sit back there, you know, against a rush of four and potentially, you know, find the weaknesses in the defense, especially with guys like Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, potentially Vic Beasley. Some of your, you know, really quarter pieces on defense not being there this week, they're going to have to get the Gardner Minshew and force him to get the ball out of his hands early. So that's going to be key.
2: Yeah, it really is. and um, We're going to go ahead and switch gears here a little bit. Talking real football is what we have been doing. We're going to talk some fantasy football now. Get into our start sits for the week for this matchup. Gardner Minshew. This is an interesting one for him. I think a lot of people around the league would be saying you probably don't want to start Minshew going into Tennessee. But like I mentioned before, He did throw two touchdown passes to zero interceptions in the matchup last year, a couple hundred yards passing, and also will add a little bit with his legs. What do you think about Minshew in this one?
1: I think looking at it from a fantasy perspective, you still have to sit Minshew uh, you know, obviously, in real life, he played uh, extraordinarily well. But I think that's going to be the very best from Gardner Minshew. I think that's going to be his game. I think it's going to be efficiency, taking what's given. He's not going to put up flashy fantasy numbers every week. So from here on out, until he kind of really proves otherwise or has, you know, a couple exploding performances, Gardner Minshew is going to be uh, a sit guy. But he's a good streaming guy if you need somebody, you know, during a bye week based off matchup uh, or if a quarterback gets hurt.
2: Yeah, and when you look at not having a Dory Jackson and maybe missing out on some pass rush and maybe missing out on Malcolm Butler, I definitely want to be monitoring the Malcolm Butler situation If I by you potentially starting here. But really, if you probably didn't draft Mincy as your starter, as we mentioned last week, he's probably either a streaming option or you have him on your bench waiting for him to, you know, show more consistency from a fantasy perspective. That is, and in real life as well. And he's not
1: really really a guy either that you're going to change the game plan for, you know, based off of opponent injuries. You know, just because, you know, some of these guys like Jackson and and Butler might be out, they're not going to totally just change the game plan and put it all on Minshew and just let him go out there and throw it 45 times, you know, next year on Sunday. They're not just going to do that to him. He's not going to be that type of guy. So, uh, you know, I don't think it really boosts his fantasy outlook all that much.
2: I think it could. Um, It's tough to say, you know. This guy, he has 13 starts under his belt. um, And over half of them, he's definitely been effective as a fantasy quarterback. So I think if you're in a tough position where you've got a starting quarterback that you drafted that you're nervous about his matchup, or maybe he really disappointed you in week one, I don't think you can't play Minshew this week. But... Generally speaking, there's probably some better options out there. But, uh, you know, if you started him last week, you're happy. So you never know. We told him to kind of – we told you to – pretty much we gave you the same advice last week as we gave this week, and you would have ended up very happy starting him. So it could be another one of those situations. Now moving on to Derrick Henry here. I mean, this is a guy that's – he's had some of his best work against the Jaguars in the past – The run defense did look a little bit improved last week for the Jaguars. But you drafted Derrick Henry in the first round. If you got lucky somehow, maybe you got him early in the second round. But this is not a guy you can sit on your bench. You got to start Derrick Henry this week.
1: Absolutely agree. Derrick Henry will never be a sit him guy unless he physically cannot play. Uh, he will be started every week, and he should be. Like you said, he probably wasted a first round pick on him, so you might as well start him. Uh, you know, and he's a guy that can make anything happen at any time. So uh, there is not one defense in the league that I would say I am one hundred percent comfortable with, absolutely just stopping Derrick Henry and shutting him down completely.
2: Having said that, is it possible that he disappoints you this week? It's possible.
1: I mean, but how much is a disappointment, you know, in terms of fantasy, if he still goes for 40 yards and scores a touchdown, I mean, that's still underperforming for him, Uh, but it's still helping your
2: lineup. It's still helping.
1: I mean, I I still don't, there aren't many other guys that I would look uh, and and kind of pin a boom week on just quite yet. It's too early in the season. So I think you're going to start him regardless. I mean, what is a letdown, you know, what a, describe that. What's a letdown for you in terms of Derrick Henry? Less than 100 yards and no touchdowns? Less than 50 yards and no touchdowns? Because if you're thinking, less than 50 yards and no touchdowns, I really don't see a way that is possible unless Jacksonville just absolutely comes out and shuts down the Titans offense altogether.
2: Yeah, I think the disappointment, like you mentioned there, is like if you're talking about the 70 to 90-yard range with no touchdowns, then you're probably pretty disappointed because he is a touchdown-dependent player.
1: Yeah, you're going to be, you know, a little bit. But, again, I, I don't think you're going to get there. I think you're either going to get a touchdown or two or you're still going to get 100, 150 yards.
2: Yeah, it's probably a pretty safe bet. Now the Jaguars running back, James Robinson, not a pe- lot of people knew about who this guy was just a couple weeks ago, maybe even a week ago. But he came out, um, didn't score a touchdown last week, but he did pick up over 60 yards on the ground, and then he had that 28-yard uh screen pass catch where he made those Colts defenders look silly hurtling over them. And so he ended up being, if you put him in there with your flex spot or like a running back three type situation, you're probably pretty happy with him now this week. The Titans defense, like you said on paper front seven wise, I do think the Colts had a better front seven on paper. So I think, again, he's a flex play if you need him.
1: If you're like me, and for some reason you gave Le'Veon Bell his fifth chance, uh, you drafted him, and and now he's hurt, uh, yeah, you might have a spot for James Robinson in your lineup, and I don't think it's a terrible play. I think he can do some stuff this week, uh, especially with some of those key guys being out. Um, And I think the Jaguars are going to be more balanced on offense than they have been in the past. So um, I don't think they're going to be as predictable, and that's going to definitely open up uh, some spots for him early on. So he's definitely on my radar. Like I said, if, if you know you're in a tough running back situation, maybe you drafted uh, two wide receivers early in a PPR league, or uh, maybe you've got a running back that's hurt. If, if you fall into one of those cases, I don't think he's a bad play this week. And if you have to pick somebody up or stream somebody, I think he's the best option available.
2: Yeah, definitely would not touch Chris Thompson until the Jaguars prove that they want to use him more. I didn't have him down here just because I honestly didn't think about it going into this, thinking about the fantasy potential here. But gosh, Chris Thompson is a guy we thought might lead the team in touches going into the season for a couple weeks. He didn't touch the ball much at all, and he's a guy I think I would just avoid for now. I think they made
1: it very evident that James Robinson is their three-down back. Um, that definitely surprised me, surprised you, I'm sure, surprised a lot of people, but but it's very evident at this point. So if there's anybody that you're playing out of the Jaguars' backfield, it has to be Robinson, and he's really the only one uh, you know, who's worth it, if we're being honest.
2: Yeah. So DJ Chark, another Jaguars' skill player, what are we thinking here?
1: I'm starting D.J. Chark. If you have D.J. Chark, start him, start him, start him, especially if Malcolm Butler doesn't play. I think some of these receivers are going to have a field day uh, against this Titans secondary, and Chark's ready for a breakout performance. Start him.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Flipping sides of the ball to the Titans. You've got Corey Davis, who had a big game last week. Jonu Smith has been coming on strong at tight end. Ryan Tannehill could be a sneaky streaming option as well. What do you think about those three guys?
1: I think uh, Corey Davis is a a solid sit for me. I think you've probably got some better options. You hopefully have some better options. Uh, and I think he's going to be the focal point of this Jaguars defense in the pass game. So he's probably going to have a lot of eyes on him. I think if there's anybody um, who's going to be receiving uh, passes on the Titans that you should probably play, I think it would be Jonu Smith. Um, He is a guy who I can see maybe having some success against the Jaguars, um, especially that linebacking group gets out of position. But there is a lot of speed in that group as well. So they can definitely keep up with John New Smith. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, it's going to be a boom or bust situation, I think. Honestly, I really do. And I think, uh, again, he's probably not a guy you drafted to be your starter, um, unless you're maybe you know a little bit deeper later into the quarterback game, uh, in which case you don't really have a choice. But I think if you have a choice, you're not starting Ryan Tannehill this week.
2: Yeah, and maybe you know, before last week, before we saw what C.J. Henderson was on Sunday, uh, maybe you could have been optimistic about that. But without A.J. Brown and knowing what C.J. Henderson brings to the table now, I wouldn't be confident starting Ryan Tannehill um, at all. So, but that is a pretty good segue here going into our final analysis and bold predictions. One of the things I wanted to talk about here is the challenge that the Jaguars defense faces with Ryan Tannehill and Jonu Smith compared to what they faced last week with Phillip Rivers and Jack Doyle. It's going to be a little different and it's got me a little worried because Tannehill and Smith, when you look at their athletic profiles, they are upper echelon athletes for their position. Ryan Tannehill, he used to be a wide receiver in college He's a guy that still has excellent wheels. If you leave him any daylight, he can burn you. And Jonu Smith is a tremendous athlete at the tight end position, as compared to Jack Doyle. So these two guys are just different animals compared to what you faced last week.
1: I could not agree more. And you know, while we were bringing this up, while I was kind of thinking in my head what my big takeaways uh, from last week were, and comparing them to the Titans' offense this week, it's I think the Titans have even without uh the wide receiver um AJ Brown I think they still have more playmakers on this offense and I feel kind of weird saying that but the Colts offense just seemed kind of stale last week outside of a big uh, a few big plays out of the backfield here and there um you know there weren't really a lot of guys making explosive exciting plays and I think the Titans you've got a few guys you know, who you can make some plays even without A.J. Brown, that you're going to want to get the ball into their hands, obviously, especially Derrick Henry and Jonu Smith. So um, I think it's definitely – you're definitely treading a little bit lighter on this offense so they really show you what they're going to do.
2: Yeah, I do think the Colts' uh, offensive playmakers will rebound. T.Y. Hilton had a pretty bad game overall, and I think he'll get back to his, you know – winning ways. Uh, a lot of it will depend on Phillip Rivers, obviously. But yeah, Jonu Smith compared to Jack Doyle. I mean, John o. Smith is on a different plane in terms of what he can do uh, to get open and with the ball in his hands. So those are two guys you got to watch. I know you can't let Derrick Henry beat you. That is the key here. But you've got to be mindful of the legs of t- Ryan Tannehill and Jonu Smith as well. And uh, we could talk about Derrick Henry ad nauseum, but swarm, 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 swarm to the ball when Derrick Henry has it. You cannot let him juke you where he doesn't have to slow down. You can't let him stiff arm you where he doesn't slow down. If you get to him, you have to slow him down or tackle him. If not, it could be off to the races.
1: And while it looks like the Titans don't really do much on offense when it comes to formations, they – seem to have the better playmakers at every position. So, you know, they're going to have the ability to do some different things. I don't know if you feel the same way about that, but if you look at each individual position group, the Titans just seem to be much, much superior in the athleticism department all around. To
2: the Colts?
1: To the Colts, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, Johnu Smith or Jack Doyle, who do you want? You yeah, want exactly. Johnny you are running
1: all day, and, and Tannehill's got wheels that that Phil Rivers has never had in his career. And obviously, I would take Derrick Henry out of anybody in that Colts backfield. While they are, right. you do look at
2: Jonathan Taylor, maybe could get there, but he wasn't getting the ball all that much, and, right?
1: And they have um, different skill sets as well, which I think is going to be big. You know, you really haven't seen an offense with this mesh of skills just quite yet.
2: Right, And it does help the Jaguars that the Titans don't have A.J. Brown. There's no question about it. If you're talking about A.J. Brown and Johnny Smith and Derrick Henry versus T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, and Marlon Mack, who was their starter, now you can say Jonathan Taylor, I'm still taking the Titans group all day.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So um, kind of switching sides of the ball again. Kevin Byard, we mentioned him. You cannot let him create turnovers. I don't care if it's from Minshew getting fooled with a coverage or if it's from a ball carrier or a receiver not securing the ball properly. Kevin Byard is a turnover machine, and he just he scares the crap out of me, I'm going to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, if we're talking turnovers, you don't want turnovers from anywhere. But especially not from that guy. Don't let that guy, you know, get back there and, and change your game. You know, look him off, get him out of position, make smart decisions. But everything I've seen from Gardner Minshew so far this year in week one makes me think he's always going to make smart decisions. Maybe he holds the ball a little too long. But I'd rather take you know a four or five yard loss, maybe a punt, you know, and flipping the field, uh, you know, than I than I would for a guy forcing the ball down the field, maybe turning it over. So, uh, you know, turnovers coming from anywhere are bad. Definitely want to limit those, but just be smart, you know, make smart decisions, Gardner, sit back there, read the defense, make the right throw.
2: Yeah. And not even just this year, or just week one, Gardner Minshew is a guy that has made smart decisions and you would much rather take a sack, especially with Minshew's now, uh, understanding of how to be safe with the ball when he's getting sacked and under pressure that he's displayed over his last eight or so starts. Uh, You'd much rather take a sack and a punt than a turnover any day of the week. So that's going to be key for sure. Whoever wins the turnover battle, both of these teams uh, won their turnover battles last week, and both of them are 1-0. and It's an obvious thing to say, but whoever wins a turnover battle has a much better chance of winning this game. And uh, it just goes to show that that's true based on these teams' records and what they did in week one on the turnover battle. Is there any final analysis you want to get into before we do our bold predictions here? No, I think we kind of hit it all on the head. Again, like I said, the turnover
1: battle is going to be key. Uh, and it's just something we're not used to winning here in Jacksonville. So this is a good change of pace. I like what I saw last week.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the Jaguars could have had three turnovers if they didn't get that one penalty on the Caleb on chase on interception. So, um, and, you know, speaking of turnovers a little bit before we get into the bold predictions, The Titans uh, had one turnover that they forced with Kevin Byard getting that strip, but they didn't commit any turnovers themselves. However, Ryan Tannehill had two passes that should have been intercepted. One of them was, but it got called back due to a penalty, and the other one was dropped. And he also had two passes batted at the line. And then A.J. Brown, when he was trying to fight for more yards, he had a very near fumble. So the Jaguars have got to, when the Titans give them those opportunities to go get those turnovers, they've got to capitalize.
1: Like I said earlier, take what they give you, force them into making mistakes, and when they do, you have to
2: capitalize. No doubt about it, man. All right. I don't know if I'm ready for this, but we got to be ready for this. Bold predictions. We will start with offense, then we'll go to defense, and then we will get into our final score predictions. You want to start us off on offense?
1: I'll do that. Yeah, I think – Gardner Minshew has another big week. Uh, I think especially if, you know, if those two uh, defensive guys and Malcolm Butler and uh, Vic Beasley both don't play, I think it's going to open some holes on uh, in the defense for Gardner Minshew. I think he's going to play very well, very efficient. I think he's getting comfortable in his role. And I think the team is getting comfortable as a whole with the way that he's, you know, just kind of being this field general, leading him up and down the field. Uh, you know, smart play Calling smart decision making. Um, I expect another uh, pretty efficient week. So I'm going to say uh, Gardner Minshew goes 20 for 25 uh, with two more touchdowns uh, and let's say 210 yards this week.
2: No turnovers. No turnovers. Man, I mean, you're talking about a Jaguars victory right there. I think, but we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> All right, so I'm doubling down on my prediction from last week that didn't come true on offense. I think Chark feasts this week. Um, He's not the type of guy that's going to get mad at the offensive coordinator because he doesn't get the ball enough, especially in a situation like last week where the offense was just so efficient. Uh, But he only had three catches last week. I think they're going to target him all day. I don't think the Titans are going to be able to handle it uh, with no Dory Jackson, maybe no Malcolm Butler. Obviously Logan Ryan's not there anymore. I think charge gets two touchdowns and a hundred plus yards.
1: I would love to see him have a breakout week, uh, you know, and, but like you said, I don't see him being a guy who's going to complain if he's not getting the ball. And I hope that's true because you saw a lot of guys do a lot of good things for this offense last week. So Keep spreading the ball around, get a lot of guys involved, keep the defense guessing. And I mean, if that says if that means Chark doesn't have a huge day, you know, he doesn't have a huge day, but hopefully the team's out with the victory.
2: Yeah, my thought here isn't that they're just going to force feed Chark the ball, but I do think they're going to have to throw the ball more than 20 times this week. Uh, you're predicting around 25, which is reasonable. But in a lot of NFL situations now, you're, th- I mean, I don't think the Jaguars are going to play at all like the Broncos played the game on Monday night, but I think you had Locke thrown over 40 times. I don't think the Jaguars are going to do that, but if if Minshew gets close to 30 attempts, I think you're looking at eight to 10 targets for a chart. I think two touchdowns and 100 yards is very doable in that situation, which is what I'm expecting.
1: Love to see it. I would love to see it.
2: Flipping sides of the ball. Defensive prediction. I'm doubling down again. Obviously, last week I didn't go with this prediction because you had predicted it, and I ended up having to switch over to CJ Henderson because we don't do these. We don't run these predictions by each other until we're just doing it live on the show. So I'm going two and a half sacks for Josh Allen.
1: Okay, I like that. Uh, personally, I think I'm going to look at the defense as a whole, uh, and I think the defense is going to force three turnovers on Sunday. I, I'm going to say good. three turnovers. Like you said, there were a lot of opportunities for the Broncos to take the ball away last week that they didn't capitalize on. Uh, I think this team, when given those chances, are going to capitalize. Hopefully they're keeping Derrick Henry bottled up enough to force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball. Hopefully they're not getting out of position on play action and they're all bought into doing their job. And they forced force Ryan Tannehill to make some tight throws and some tight windows. Uh, you know, can hopefully pick off a pass or two. Maybe force a fumble uh, in the pocket.
2: Yeah, and, you know, both of our defensive predictions here are dependent on the Jaguars slowing Derrick Henry down to an extent.
1: The whole game is dependent on slowing Derrick Henry down, so we can just go ahead and assume that if we're making bold predictions, then this team is is handling Derrick Henry well, uh, and we have a chance to win this game.
2: And what do you think is handling Derrick Henry? Is it keeping him under a certain amount of yards or a certain amount of yards per carry or... Uh, What do you think that is? Uh, You know, honestly, I think it's just keeping him bottled up. Don't let him make any big, you know, big-time
1: plays. Don't let him, you know, run off a a 35, 40-yard touchdown on you. Keep him bottled up. If he gets his and he's chipping away at you, you know, three, four yards every carry, you know, that just is what it is. You know, it might happen, and and that's okay, but you can't give up the big gaping runs, the big gashing holes that are going to put the Titans, you know, in short uh and, and short field positions and and kind of quicken their drives, you know, make him pound you, grind it out with him, hit him frequently, you know, don't let him rip off any of those big runs and hopefully keeping him contained will keep this offense from moving the ball so quickly. Uh you know, I think that's really what uh does it for them. You know, is big plays down the field, especially with Derrick Henry. So you really try to limit him to big plays. I think if you you know keep him under eighty, seventy, eighty yards uh, I think that would be a huge win, and keep him out of the end zone, obviously, but uh, really limit those big plays.
2: Yeah, honestly, I think the Broncos did a good job with him last week. Uh, he ended up getting over 100 yards, but it's because he had 30 carries.
0: Yeah, it took and, a while,
1: and, and he looked gassed. So, you know, I'm not sure if you saw that game a lot. I still have to watch that one. I was very intrigued, but he looked absolutely exhausted huffing and puffing in the first quarter on the way back to the huddle. So I don't think that's going to be a factor as much in this game, obviously, being back to uh, you know your normal altitude. But maybe he's out of shape from the offseason.
2: He is a guy that has traditionally not started seasons off extremely fast. I mean, he's a guy that when you're getting into the fourth quarter of games and the fourth quarter of the season, talking about, you know, the final four games of the season and getting in the playoffs. That's where he's thrived in his career more so than early on in the season. We'll see if that trend kind of continues. So without further ado, Jeremy, let's just get into it. Final score, what is it? I uh,
1: have kind of turned... uh... My look on this one a little bit. I know that I was definitely predicting this to be a loss, but I really like what I saw from the team last week. I think they took advantage of a Colts offense coming out a little stale. Um, you know, especially not having a lot of game action. You know, they weren't in midseason form. They weren't rolling, and I think you're going to see a lot of that from offenses here early on. Um, so I think they hold the Titans in check again. They're missing, obviously, their number one wide receiver, and they're missing a few guys on defense. So I think some of these injuries are going to be too much for Titans to overcome. A lot of this is predicated on, obviously, uh, Malcolm Butler and Vic Beasley also not playing on Sunday, but it's looking less and less like it. They're popping up on the injury report uh, the later we get into the week. So I'm thinking 24-17 to 17 Jags get a win in Nashville.
2: Very good. Um, I also, if you would have asked me on Monday or Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday, maybe even yesterday, uh, I was leaning towards the Titans. But you think about the Titans had a 10-30 game on Monday night football, had to travel back across the country, Sunday 1 p.m. kickoff. That doesn't help them. It doesn't help them that they've got these guys missing that we've talked about. And it doesn't help them that the Jaguars are full of confidence coming off a big win against the Colts. I think the Jaguars get off the snide against the Titans in terms of winning in Nashville and in terms of just playing the Titans. I think the Titans will also also score 17 points, but I have the Jaguars dropping 31 on them. You got a Lambeau field goal in there and you've got four offensive touchdowns for the Jaguars against the Titans depleted defense. So, um, that's what we got. We're in agreement for the first time here, Jeremy. Dropping a 30-bird on him early, huh? Yeah. Uh, I, Jay Gruden's ready for this matchup. He's excited about this matchup. The entire uh, group of players is excited about this matchup. There's an the energy that's palpable, and uh, it's crazy to me to predict the Jaguars winning this one because you look at it, and then you're 2-0, and and then you've got the Dolphins and Bengals coming up. Could you be looking at 4-0 and if the Jaguars win this one? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but when I was predicting this, it's like, can I really predict that to happen? And we'll see how it goes this week, obviously, before we get on to predictions for Miami and Cincinnati. But right now, if you're looking on paper and you have looking at what's happened over the first week and an extra game, including last night's game with the Bengals, the Jaguars look like a better team than the Dolphins or Bengals right now.
1: It sets you up in an incredible position, one that, you know, I can't really realistically think about until after, you know, they potentially win on Sunday. But even got the Dolphins and the Bengals, like you said, two very beatable teams, you know, as everything stands right now, I don't look at anything that I've seen from them, you know, and say to myself, wow, that team is definitely better than the Jaguars, I don't see that at all. And so I think, you know, you're going to put yourself at a chance maybe start 4-0 if you can really come out and show that you can be the team that by all means is, is a better team than you. Let's just be honest about what it is. The Colts were a better team than the Jaguars. We're talking about talent and, you know, what's on the field. Uh, or on paper, I mean, excuse me. Uh, and same thing with the Titans. The Titans are a better team than the Jaguars. They just are. So if you can come out and beat two teams that are better than you in the first two weeks, then you've got to play two teams that I don't think are better than you. Uh, and, you know, and then you've got the Texans who didn't play very well at all. And then you've got the Lions. So just think about that stretch before you hit the bye week. That is full of winnable games. So you can really put yourself in a huge huge position early on this season if you can win some of these games
2: yeah and especially if you can beat Tennessee to get to 2-0 in the division Uh, it's crazy like you said on paper going into this season there's no question you would say the Colts and Titans and even Texans for that matter are a better team on paper but if you just look at what happened in week one forget everything forget the jerseys as a Jaguar fan like because we are Jaguar fans, we mention that all the time, but we also try to give an objective perspective. From a Jaguars fan, from a subjective perspective, I'm like, there's no way they can beat the Titans. But if you take off the helmets and uh, all the logos on the jerseys and everything and just look at what happened on the field last week, the Jaguars looked like a better team than the Titans.
1: You are seeing a cohesive team playing. And it's, it's fantastic. Like I said, if you take everything off and you're not looking at the Jaguars, you're looking at a cohesive football team, a cohesive unit all playing together and everything kind of working off each other. So I think it's fantastic. And I mean, look at it this way. If you beat the Colts and Titans week one and week two, who says you can't beat the Texans? You know, after that, it becomes a, a realistic outlook that, wow, you know, like we may be able to compete with all three teams in this division. Without a doubt, the Texans are definitely not as good as they were last year. And I don't think, obviously, besides them having the best quarterback in the AFC South, that as a team, they're much better than the other two. So if we can beat the Colts and the Titans, who says we can't beat the Texans?
2: Yeah, you're right about it. Now, the Jaguars have to go out and do it this week. Uh, There's been a lot of situations over the last half decade where you felt good about the Jaguars, and the Titans brought you back down to earth very quickly. Jacksonville's feeling good about this team. This team's feeling good about themselves. We are feeling good about the team, but you can just not forget what the Titans have done to this team, especially in Nashville over the years. So it's going to be a hell of an experience. Jaguars at Titans Sunday in Nashville at Nissan Stadium, 1 p.m. kickoff. I can't wait for it. There aren't going to be fans there, so we'll see how that impacts the game. Do you have any? Thoughts about how, how uh, not having any fans might impact the Jaguars?
1: I, I don't. I nec- you know I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to be um, anything that the Jaguars are obviously going to be able to feed on. It Probably puts them in a better position, honestly. You know, in in terms of them playing without the Tennessee fans, you know, third downs are going to be a lot more quiet. Uh, so it probably puts the Jaguars in a better position if we're being honest.
2: Yeah, I would think so too. We'll obviously see because it is so new. You just don't know how this could impact things, but that's going to do it for the show. Thanks to bold city brewery, the one and only sponsor of the gin Jag podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please. If you have the time, if you enjoy the show, go leave us a review on the iTunes podcast app. Again, thank you for listening Duval and have a great weekend.
0: This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently